Town Hall Academy, episode 57. You got to look at it, too, is that the math doesn't lie. When you're putting in accurate numbers, it's overriding your emotions. Because the math is telling you, the numbers are telling you, this is really where you're at. And yet you feel in your mind and your emotions that you're doing a fairly good job, for example. And then you find out, uh-oh, we're not doing that well. How do we fix it? Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, automotive aftermarket professionals, to the Town Hall Academy, episode 57. Hey, we're here to talk about your profit and loss statement. Now, for many, a very important document, and for some, a dreaded report with not much meaning. Now, we're going to lay up the value of your P&L and even talk about your balance sheet. I'm with shop owners Marianne Croce, Mark Roberts, and business coach Bob Greenwood. You enjoy the Town Hall Academy through the support of Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Now, did you know that Jasper has over 2,000 associates, three manufacturing facilities, two distribution centers, and 45 branch offices across the country? The Jasper team works hard to produce, transport, and deliver the perfect product, and that's what they do best at Jasper. They keep customers happy. Hey, keep in mind that your input has helped guide the topics we cover and the guests we have on the podcast, as so many have. Don't hesitate to reach out to me at carm at remarkableresults.com is I do want to hear from you and I will reply. Hey, did you know that the Remarkable Results listening app for Android and iOS has a lot of nice features? Get all episodes right to your smart device and discover the power of the app and use it as one of your most important learning tools and subscribe to any podcast listening app that you like. Hey, a bit of behind-the-scenes information. This Town Hall Academy was on live and recorded at Vision 2018. There were a few last-minute tech problems, and we did not get the quality recording that you've come to expect. Sorry for the noise level. Hey, please stick with the entire episode because of the powerful information inside the episode. With me to talk financial reports and the power of the P&L is Marianne Croce, owner of Croce's Transmissions in Norwalk, Connecticut. Shop owner Mark Roberts from Shirts Auto Service in Shirts, Texas. And Bob Greenwood, AMAM, President of Automotive Aftermarket E-Learning Center. Okay, for some, the P&L conjures up the same feeling as getting a root canal. It can be painful. The goal of this Academy webinar is to shed some light on the extreme value the profit and loss statement brings to every business owner. We do not teach you everything you need to know to get perfect and accurate data. Those are disciplines you must create and insist on. We do talk about the value the P&L brings as you are analyzing your pathway to a strong profit. We also talk about the balance sheet and how important strong and accurate financial statements are in selling your business, and for that matter, if you're buying a business. Inside this episode, a lot of wisdom and insights for creating a financially healthy company. And as I said earlier, a few tech difficulties on the recording process, please hang tight and get all the pointers we talked about. Enjoy. Profit and loss statements. I think that's Russian or Greek. I mean, people, you know, sometimes don't even have an idea what that means. And uh, many of us in the industry that are successful cut our teeth in being having having to know what it's about. Mark, shop owner, what's a P and L? What's a P? Well, I mean, really, if you look at it, the income statement is probably the uh, one of the most important tools with the three parts: the the revenue, the expenses, and the net income, and I'm a runner or used to be a runner, still run every once in a while, and I think about that is that when I run, I want a nice cold bottle of water, I want some nice running clothes, and I want a very comfortable pair of shoes. And all those things are real important to me when I run, and those things, it's just like the P&L statement. Those three things of the P&L statement are just as important in our daily race of running our businesses. Got it. And so... Uh, revenue, expenses, profit, head, heart, feet. That's it. And think about it like that. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love I love the concept of it. Love the concept. So, Marianne, P&L is like a report card 
that we always obtain. We are always working hard to get a good report card, right? Yeah. So do we as shop owners work hard to get a good P&L? Well, um, many people avoid the P&L. There, there's you know, different pillars in the business, and a lot of people don't know what they don't know. So uh, it really is simple to, to learn uh, a P&L. It's not as complicated as we sometimes think. It's common for small business owners, not just in the automotive industry, to avoid this. But it is like a report card, you know, keeping score for your business. And, you know, accurate numbers in your business give you facts. And that's how you can determine where you're, where you are and where you want to go. So you, you came from the banking world, but you know, when you got into the business world, did you have to learn a little bit more and appreciate and understand the P&L? Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. I'm driving to the point, Mark, with you is once you learned it, Mark, it was probably one of the easiest business tools that you could navigate, really. Yeah, it is. And it's a, it's a great tool. It's just like no different than going and checking your blood pressure every day and monitoring it as you want to do that for your business. And yeah, it did take me a little while. Um, I was not, you know, college bound material and, um, I learned it, some of it through, um, School of Hard Knocks. But, uh, you know, anybody can learn it. That's, that's, I believe that anybody can learn it. Good to hear. Bob. You got to have numbers. I mean, you know, we love fixing cars. We love integrating and building relationships with customers. But when you get into the back office or you sit down at home on Saturday mornings with a cup of coffee and you open the financial statements, oh, the dreaded financial statements, you got to know your numbers because without numbers, it's really a ship without a rudder. Totally. And you got to look at it, too, is that the math doesn't lie. When you're putting in accurate numbers, it's overriding your emotions. Because the math is telling you, the numbers are telling you, this is really where you're at. And yet you feel in your mind and your emotions that you're doing a fairly good job, for example. And then you find out, uh-oh, we're not doing that well. How do we fix it? And I think the breakdown on your income statement is very, very critical today. Because you've got to have the numbers lined up that start to talk to you. You just can't have sales. Wait a minute. Whoa. You have to have the numbers lined up. That moved me. What do you mean? Breaking out your numbers into the revenue categories that measure your business. And the simple ones are fluids, tires, aftermarket parts, dealer domestic, dealer foreign nameplate, then labor one, which is maintenance, labor two is diagnostics, and labor three, reflash. Aha. See, everyone, you've already learned something. What Bob is really saying, when you look at the P&L, and there's a line at the top called sales, which uh, someone always told me, sales was vanity and profit is sanity. <coughs> you have a different type of quote. But it was Mr. Launderville who, who always spoke about that. Another great quote from him, sanity and vanity. But a great piece of code that you just broke, Bob, is that if you look at the number on the top and it says sales and there's a number, you saying it's stepped under sales are all those different categories. Mark, in your business, do you separate yes, sales? Yes, we do. And what, what, are, what are your categories? We separate our dealer parts from our normal parts. We separate tires. We separate fluids. Um, and we also separate labor categories. Interesting. So if you have a bookkeeper slash or an accountant, it's really you telling that person, this is what I want to see. Yes. And then it's your SMS system breaking it out for you. Yes. What do you do, Marion? Yeah, we do. We break it down as well. And I think if it's something that you're not familiar with, going over this with your bookkeeper or going over it with an accountant, if you have a really good accountant that will walk you through initially some of this and educate you, is really powerful. I love it. Anybody have a great story to tell about looking at their first P&L and uh, wondering what all the Russian letters meant on their... I wasn't sure what it was when I printed it. I just printed it. It was a report to print. Oh, wait a minute. I, okay. Yeah, I just printed it. It said print report. And I printed it. That's an absolute great story. So no. so I, I think you're really relating to the audience well. You probably were using, what, QuickBooks? QuickBooks, yeah. And you looked at QuickBooks and says, oh, this is really cool. Wow, this was a great DIY type of accounting system. And you, you looked through it, and somehow this report came out. But you're a serial entrepreneur. You own a lot of businesses. What, were the, what was the turning point that said, i got to pay attention to this? 
Well, I think it was in my first business is that I really had to understand cash flow is because I had this business and and I actually worked for, for various shops and I had a shop come up and say, hey, we want you to take care of our, our business. We pay on 30 days. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to get this business. They've got like four shops. I'm going to get this business. And I started thinking about, okay, well, I'm going to be buying all these parts and I'm going to be spending all this money, but I'm going to, it's going to be 45 days. Well, I don't know if I can afford to take them as a customer because I'm going to have all this cash out. And, and that's when I really learned the value of cash flow. And I learned it. And, and just, you know, sitting down and figuring out, okay, this is what I need to do. So, Bob, you're a huge proponent of cash flow, Bob. And, you know, I know cash flow, we, we actually want, we wanted to have a, a Town Hall Academy on cash flow, but I don't think we can not, not talk about it. It's, uh, it's imperative to understand cash flow. And as Mark says, you've got a head, heart, and toes. That's your income statement and your net profit. Look at your arms as your balance sheet, and you've got to support that. And you need those things to understand how the head, heart, and toes work. And on that balance sheet, it's going to measure your cash flow. And as Mark was saying, if you're into an account that you have receivables and you're not getting paid for 45, 60 days, that's out of your cash flow. And now all of a sudden, you better start evaluating how much profit are you really making on it? I'm not talking about gross profit. I'm talking about net profit, mm-hmm. to be able to measure the net profit on a given account. Now, when you look at your balance sheet, which is listing all the assets, the things that you own in the business, and your liabilities, the things that you owe, that tells you whether you're moving forward or not. If my assets minus my liabilities is a negative, this is not good. If it's a positive, then the business is moving forward. And one of the best things you can do each month is take the next month's balance sheet and income statement and compare it to last month's balance sheet and see what the differences are. Are you moving forward? A vehicle is more than just transportation. It's what we depend on to move our most precious cargo, our families. As a service professional, you provide routine maintenance for your customer's vehicle, but what do you do if the engine, transmission, or differential fails? Contact Jasper, of course. Jasper provides your customers with a cost-effective alternative to purchasing a different vehicle. Quality, remanufactured products from Jasper Engines and Transmissions carry a nationwide warranty with up to three years, 100,000 miles, parts and labor coverage. Get your customers back on the road fast as Jasper offers immediate availability through two distribution centers and a network of 45 branch locations nationwide. If a new vehicle is not in your customer's budget and the engine or transmission in their car, truck, van, or SUV has given its last performance, a remanufactured drivetrain component from Jasper Engines and Transmissions will provide them with many years of trouble-free driving at a cost many times less than that of a new vehicle. For customer satisfaction, choose Jasper. Bob, you make such a great point about cash flow. And many business people don't understand that if you hold paper for customers, if you invest in inventory, you've got a ton of tires, or you're, you're, you've got some engine jobs coming up, and you buy them engines, and it's at the end of the month, and they're really not in the job, but they're in inventory, and your cash, if you paid for them, your cash is tied up. And so cash is really king in the business. But, you know, for all these years, everyone... You know, I say, hey, so how do you measure the success in your business? And they says, how much is in the checkbook? <laughs> right? You've heard it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's how it starts. Yeah. Yep. Until they go to QuickBooks, press the button, and get that P&L out. So did you, Mark, when you got your P&L, did you actually say, when did you hire an accountant to help you? Maybe you did or didn't. I did. You never did? Do you have one now? I went to class. Yeah, I, I have an accountant now that okay. looks at my numbers and stuff. All right, but does he actually produce it? Does he take? No, I produce those. You still produce. You still I take every transaction. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I produce all those. I, you, you can't wait for your accountant to give you numbers at the end of the month uh, to see how your business is doing. You've got to be looking at that on a on a daily and weekly basis. So, he just broke the code so that everyone understands the value of the P and L. It's the historical look. Now, if you print it every quarter, uh, three months have gone by. Can't but if, do you, if you print it at the end of the month, which would be a logical choice, you can't do a lot about it. So it's a snapshot of history. It's a snapshot of of the month and the year to date. The year to date is the most important to follow. Your month is a snapshot in time. What is the trend? That's your year to date. Right. So how are we trending out for the year? 
And how important is it to go into QuickBooks and set budget numbers for every one of those sales, cost of goods, and expense categories? Well, you better be doing that back in October of the previous year. Yeah. That's right. And, oh, my God, i got to do a budget. Is it hard to do a budget, Maria? No, no. You look at um, last year's numbers, and I just wanted to add in with the P&L, you can also compare. You can do a comparison if you were to look at last year's numbers. You compare to the previous year. So that's a good way to educate yourself. And when you go in and you set that budget, you could see what were the trends. Where did we, you know, spend our money? What did we spend our money on? It's a it's a great way for you to make business decisions going forward. When I when I, there was a time that I I was I looked at 130 p ls every month, and it's it's really really tough to do. But you really looked at your troubled children, right? And the best way that I looked at P&Ls, everyone, is I looked, the, to me, the, the trend between last year and this year and the percentage of, are we, you know, if our objective was is to cut a certain expense and we set the budget to be there, if we're to budget, that really helps us in, in if you will, the crystal ball that we had. But we also can see if we're trending up or down and were there any mistakes that are happening. So I love trending. And I love budgeting. And I think all of them that work together gives you, if you will, that feel for what that bottom line is going to eventually end up with at the end of the year. Agree or disagree? Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So what's the next step? We, we, we're, we realize we need a P&L. Hopefully everyone is going to the magic button and printing a P&L and looking at it. And it's Greek to them. You said you went to get some education. I love it. I mean, you, Mark and I did a podcast. Please go back and listen to all everyone's podcast. In fact, when the show notes come out on this, there will be a link in everybody's bios so that you can go and listen to everybody's everybody's previous episodes. But you're not afraid to go out and say, "I'm going to go. I'm going to go to school and learn this." Yeah, that's why I'm here this week. You know, for this for this, I, you just have to continually be learning. And so I did. I would go out and find education at at one of the local colleges, or go online, or go sign up for something that's just outside of a, a college, just a, uh, you know, like a private school or something. Excellent. So. Glad to hear it. Um, Bob, it's got to be accurate and timely. I mean, you, you, we talked about how important it is to, to have it and get it by the end of the month. One or two days after, a week after, and how do we get the good numbers in it? How, how do numbers flow into a P&L? You've got to... Uh do it accurate. Make sure it is accurate. And so at the end of the month, for example, say you've got a job that you're going to carry over to the next month. Well, then close that job off at the end of the month. Put it into your receivables so that that hours, those that labor, those parts have been accounted for in the month that you actually completed it. Then the next month, you're starting over and continuing on. And so the labor and the uh, parts will be going into the appropriate month that it took place. Otherwise, it's you're sandbagging the numbers from month to month. One month will look great. Yeah, well, we had this job. You know, it worked out well. It carried over from the previous month. Wait a minute. Close it off that month so that you're accounted for that time and that activity in that given month. So you don't want to sandbag your numbers. Then you want to get into the whole process. And understanding what you should be measuring. Yes, revenue breakdown is one thing. But then how do you take that revenue and expand it? And as you know, I'm a very huge promoter of the labor component because that is where we make our money and convert that into build hours. And you can take any P&L once you have it broken down. Just take those labor revenue categories and divide it by the labor rate, and then you'll see the total build hours that you did in that category. Then you take that, divide it by the number of um, ROs that you wrote. So now you know your average build hours per RO. And it's not about sales per ROI anymore. I, I, I got to get away from that. It's about your productivity, and that's your build hours. That's where you make your money. And getting your numbers each and every month, looking at that, and understanding where your productivity is coming from. Are your build hours improving? Then start, as you'll see, your build hours start to improve. You're going to see your balance sheet starting to get stronger. They do go together. Yeah, they do. You know, Marianne, Bob just said uh, about accurate, and it, 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 we, we, once you understand the P&L and once you start, you know you've got good numbers, what, do you, what can you do? What can you do with the, the trends and the historical data? What, what, let's, well, talk, let's, talk, let's talk about moves to make, yeah. you know, when you start seeing things. 
and, and, and when I say not right, someone says, well, what's not right? Let's, let's get into that a little bit. So once you understand how the PNL works, that's when, and you know it, that's when you really start to love it. That's where that power comes in when you know what you can do with it. And there's a few different things. One of the things is you're going to make better business decisions in all different areas of your business. Because when you confidently know your numbers, it improves everything from the sales counter, because you know what your labor rate is and you're confident about it. It improves so many different areas. It also helps with tax purposes, because your accountant wants good, accurate information. You put junk in, you're going to get junk out. So it's so important mm-hmm. to have really accurate numbers. And then in the future, if you want to sell your business, they're going to go back and use that um, that tool, right, that report. It's going to be part of going in and valuing it. So accuracy is there is also key. I, I could tell you a quick little story about me learning more about uh, a P&L and how this may relate in a real-world situation. We had an account when we first opened up, and it was a small account, um, and they had come in and asked us to do their work. And they always wanted to put the, after the work was done, we delivered the vehicle, they always wanted to put it on hold. They'll pay us in 30 days. So we did that. Being a brand new business, we didn't want to you know, lose the account, so we did that. But they started bringing us more and more vehicles, and they weren't paying us in 30 days, but we were getting the work out. So before you knew it, we had a lot of money on accounts receivable. And being new and being a little bit nervous about, you know, not wanting to lose this account, when I went in and started looking at the numbers, I had to go up to my service writer and say, look, we have to, I'm going to send an email out and we have to get paid on these on these invoices because that cash flow holding that out could really hurt your business because you need that working that money that working money and, and you don't find that on the p l it's yeah. not there those are your guidelines you have to have the guidelines yeah it's it's not going it's going to be in sales but it's not going to be on the balance sheet the cash isn't going to be there and the, the purpose of the cash flow statement is to show that you you aren't flowing you can't you can't pay your bills because you've got money out. And exactly. an accounts receivable is is like a cancer in oh, our yeah. business. Um, the guideline is very simple: your receivable should never exceed twenty percent of your average monthly sales. And you calculate those average monthly sales over the last six months. So if you're doing fifty thousand a month in sales, you should have no more than ten thousand on the books at any given time. Because you work the profitability of those receivables, you'll see. That person is actually taking advantage of you. You're giving out an interest-free loan. Interest-free so who's loan. who's the smartest business person here? What do, do you think in our business is that when I when I look at the automotive business, we really shouldn't have receivables unless we're got a fleet account. Mm-hmm. Correct. We just shouldn't have them. Correct. I mean, it's it's you know I come from the collision business too, where you, you're always waiting for money from insurance companies. And when I look at the you know I look at the, the average. Auto repair shop, really, you know. So that when you said twenty percent, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, I, I just think that's that's my money that's out there. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, hey, I want my money. So if you if you're not doing fleet work and you're not doing any kind of government work, right? Yeah. Where you know you're going to pay on mm-hmm. a on a voucher or whatever. No receivables. There shouldn't be any receivables. No. Yeah. Listen, I have interviewed a ton of twenty year veterans who finally saw the light. Hired a business coach after twenty years of, and is your biggest regrets. I was too easy. I let, yeah. I let paper go. If your customer can't pay by Visa, MasterCard, or any credit card, mm-hmm. like, why are you taking it on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to your point, what when I sent that email out, that letter out, um, we we did that. That was it. The account was no longer because it was obvious to right. see that they were just using sure. us sure. As, a, yeah. as an interest-free loan. So that so not having that account anymore, they did pay, but not having that account anymore freed us up for, you know, clients and customers accounts that do. So it was a good it was a good business decision, but it was a learning experience because a lot of times people aren't aware of that part of it, but that it will show up in your business. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but uh, you know, on the balance sheet there's a payables line and some of these companies are proud to have big payable numbers over there because they're not paying 
They're vendors for stuff. That's the whole concept of working on other people's money. And you know what? Your relationship won't be strong. Yeah. But also, uh, consider this. In the aftermarket, especially in your parts suppliers, if you pay by the 10th of the month, you get an extra 2%. You take that 2%, that goes directly to your net profit. Mm -hmm. Why are you giving that away? Why are you saying, I'm a smarter business person, I'm working on other people's money? And how is your relationship? Really? I think you go back to that. When you're, when you're negotiating with your vendors, then I always just say, hey, we pay on time. I say, oh, you pay on time. Well, that's, that's a little bit different than most of the customers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, there's a better thing to say. By the way, we discount. <laughs> oh, um, some, then they'll offer you two if you say that you discount. You discount, which means you pay on time. Because so, there's, there's a lot of 2% that are going away. I've yeah. seen. Yeah. So because yeah. business is tight, margins are really tight. Yeah. And but but anyway, you're right. You should you sit down with a vendor and say, "Hey, I, I I discount. Let's let's get this thing done." And they first of all, you pay on time. You're on the top of the love list for a supplier. Yeah. I'll but tell I want you my that. vendors to make money. I want everybody I do business with to make money. True. You know, it really hurts a business when you lose a good supplier. Yeah. It really hurts. Um just those relationships are so more critical today. And you look at what the suppliers are going to go through and what are going through. Their margins are coming down. It's getting tighter and tighter. And now you're ordering people ordering parts on Amazon or anywhere else. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's it's a tough, tough business. So they got to succeed. I know. I don't want to go on a rant at all about that. But I've seen social media say, I can't believe my vendors making that kind of money when they compare what they could buy for on, on Amazon and everything. And it is just so untrue. And, 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 you know, it's refreshing to hear both of you, all of, all of you say that, and I've always preached this too. You know, I came from the distribution side. It says, you know, if, if I go away, the prices will go up and the yeah. service will get, will, will not get any yeah. better. And competition is healthy and it's good. Let's partner Let's have a relationship, and some people get it and some don't. And every supplier and and, and every service professional has their their A list. Yep. And and you in you if you want to run a great business, you want to be on the A list. You want A list customers, you need to be on the A list for a supplier. Hey, we digressed a little bit, but it's always good to have this healthy dialogue. Um, someone said the word accuracy, and and then someone said the words sell your business. And I thought that those two words could collide someday. <laughs> and I always learned when I was looking to buy businesses that we had to go out and normalize the PNL. And that is, is to put it into real speak, find the truth within the numbers, okay? And so I loved what you said. It's got to be accurate. Yeah. You mean so the food for the lake house and, and the fuel for the boat at the lake house shouldn't be in the company PNL? Now, I, I think that's the biggest issue with our industry is that there's just a lot of shops that don't have accurate P&Ls, but they got a lot of cool stuff. When someone tells me they're not making any money, I always ask them, well, how much are you stealing from the business? And I, I know that sounds harsh, but how much are you stealing from the business? Well, what do you mean? I said, well, who's paying for that motorhome and who's paying for that motorcycle? And Well, that's advertising. Oh, well, yeah, you're, you know, so don't. You're stealing from your business. If you would quit stealing from your business, then you you would probably have a good P and L. Let me let me let me make a statement on what you just said. So you say we're stealing from your business, and the person says, "What do you mean?" It's my money. I can do whatever. What do you mean? They know exactly what you mean. <laughs> when you say, "What are you stealing from your business?" and they say, "I'm I'm pretty clean. I'm good." They're willing to come. Everybody knows how it works. So when you hear someone say, no, I, I, I cleaned it up, I'm good. When, the minute someone says, what do you mean? <laughs> you know you've got them thinking. And, and I really have to say, then pay yourself the extra money and keep it off the books. Because when it comes time to sell the business, Bob, and you, you would be a, an expert at that, and I don't want to steal your, your thunder, what are people going to look at? Because, in fact, it was just, oh, God, it was a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was, it was a few days ago. Somebody came up to me, and I've, I've met so many people here at Vision. I, I, what, a, what a great group of friends that I have in the industry. And we were chatting about consolidation. And then the next word that came out of that person's mouth was multiples. And may some people may on, on the podcast here may not understand what the word multiple is, but it's what people are willing to pay 
over and above what the net profit of the business is. And so, of course, we've got sales, you know, we've got cost of goods, and we've got expenses, and all of a sudden, there's the bottom line. I don't care if it's EBITDA, and let's not get into some super accounting terms here. It was said that multiples are rising. Someone told me today that would know multiples are rising. So if you are that average 55 to 60 year old shop owner considering possibly the jewel that you have that you've worked your whole life with, the P&L's gotta be pure and healthy and accurate and on time and clean. And so help the world understand the total value in what I just said. Well, let's go back to the original comment about, you know what I mean. How would you feel right now if you knew that tomorrow you're going to receive a letter and a phone call from the government you are going to be audited for the next three past three years are you freaking out are you you concerned are you concerned are you are you scared oh no uh but if you're clean you're okay that's just the procedures that they go through i had a client that just got audited for three companies and uh he says it's going to take a full week they got three auditors coming in Eh, we're not worried about it his whole assessment came into less than two hundred dollars for three companies but he runs a clean operation it's not stressing it out but what the advantage of that is is that when they do come to sell the third party is going to do their due diligence on the company. Get rid of your emotions. It's all about the facts of your business. And if you've got a really profitable business, bottom line wise, I'm not talking sales. I'm talking bottom line. Then all of a sudden, they're going to be talking about a good multiple because you're not average. You're not normal. You're above that. So you must have a system. You must have a process in place that makes you this money. I want to learn that. And the over and above your assets, your net worth is your goodwill is what you're going to get. And that's going to be your retirement package because you have a great process. Yep. And, and the goodwill that Bob is speaking mm. of is the what they'll pay above in a multiple. For example, exactly. let's just pick a multiple of two and a half. So if you have a net profit at the end of the year of $150,000, you may be offered two and a half times that for the business. How many people, let's talk about balance sheet. I mean, listen, I got these lists, the latest snap-on piece of equipment I just bought, I spent $3,000 on. That's not how it's done today. I mean, right. if there's a, no. you can have an asset sale. Yep. I get that. Yep. An asset sale, yep. we will buy the depreciated value of your assets, and that's what we're going to offer you for your business. Or, on the other hand, if you run a great business and lots of money on the bottom line, you want to sell, Bob, if I'm right, you want to sell from a multiple perspective. Correct. I've seen as high as five. Five multiples. Yeah. Uh, th- well, think of it's two hundred thousand dollar bottom line times five. Well, guys, that's a million dollars. Correct. It's a million dollars for your business. Your assets aren't worth that much. And they're going to do a return on investment analysis and see that you are far above. You look at the average shop in North America. If they do a return on investment analysis, they're coming in between seven and nine percent. The best shops are around thirty-five percent. So you think about that's it, incredible. This, the, think about yeah. a million dollar shop at thirty five is three hundred fifty thousand dollars times. Would you say five? Up to five? Huh? It, it's it's nearly almost a yeah. two million dollar. But because you worked in your business all your life, your emotions are saying my business is worth so much because I've got my life into it. But that's not how business works, and it all works by the numbers. And those numbers have got to be there, and they've got to be proven. Don't be afraid of the numbers, right, Mark? No. But, you, you know, you're talking about those multiples. Let me let me just say this, is that in the collision industry, when they were going, you know, they're still going through consolidation. I can tell you back when it first started, is they were coming in and they were paying a multiple of 12. Whoa. A multiple of 12 wow. for the best operator, biggest shop. But here, but here's how it worked. They would do a pay a multiple of 12. That got everybody's attention. Sure. So the next guy's thinking, oh, he got 12. You know what? I, I think I want to go. Well, he'd get eight. And then the next guy would come, and he gets six, and then everybody else is running scared because now, oh, gosh, they're taking over the whole city and stuff. And then they're buying all these people for one and two. And so they were averaging buying these things for really about a multiple, about four. Right, right. But it just, that was a thing that got my attention. It's a strategy. strategy. Yeah. And as far as accuracy with those numbers, if you're an owner, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I own a shop. And one of the questions I'll ask them is, what's your role? So if you're an owner, but your role in the company is a technician, it's really important to have 
that line item that you're paying yourself as a technician. If you're going to take out another income as far as the owner, okay, that's fine. But to keep your numbers accurate, you should be taking out an income. What would it cost to replace me? So that's another area to go in, and that helps with everything that, you know, we were talking about. Today it seems, uh, and I did an interview yesterday, that there's more and more business-type people buying businesses. And the struggle for the young technician entrepreneur who wants to go into business and buy, do a succession plan, is they don't have that business savvy yet. And the only encouragement I could give anybody is to hire a business coach within your first year, especially if you're being able to afford a going business. And there, there's, you know, there's got to be some cash and revenue flowing to be able to afford that and get smart. It's okay to pay taxes, right, Mark? Yes. And, and it shouldn't be something that we're trying our, and busting our hump not to do, because if we're paying taxes, what's that mean? We're making money. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the work you have to do. Your ta- say your tax rate corporately is 20% or something like that. Why are you working so hard to save 20 cents versus being focused on making and keeping 80 cents? <laughs> and I played that game. I mean, I've, I've been there. All right. You know, where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm buying all this equipment at the end of the year because so I'm not going to have to pay taxes. And, yeah, and it's just, it's a game. And it's, uh, you know, like Greg, Greg Crabtree writes in his book, the best indicator of your business is how big of a check are you writing to the IRS? <laughs> you know, and, and I think you got to be a good steward of it and, and make sure you're using whatever laws are applicable and, and, and doing stuff properly. But it still comes back to, you know, pay your taxes. And here you are in March. I hope you have your tax plan all planned out for 2018. You've had a talk with your accountant back in November. Mm-hmm. How are we going to work it for 2018? So as you can see, as a business owner, all these relationships come home to build your company. Relationship with your accountant, your banker, blah, 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 yeah. are so important. And it all leads down and it comes from your income statement balance sheet of what are you? The numbers really can get exciting when you see them starting to improve. And once you've taken a few business courses and you understand the excitement of how you can maneuver those numbers, that's working smart, not hard. Yeah. Bob, do you think do you think psychologically I used to think about this from a psychological standpoint, is that when when they're not running clean financials, when they're buying groceries and you know, all their entertainment ring is coming out of their company, and then the end of the year, they're looking at their P&L saying, gosh, I'm just not making any money. This is a terrible business. I, you know, it's a psychological effect. Very much, yep. You know, and that, and that just affects how you look at your business, how you actually work in your business. And then what I've seen happen is that an owner will go, you know, goes to his employees and it's like, gosh, we're not making any business. Yeah. We're just not making any money. You know, and these guys are like, gosh, I'm working hard every day, and yeah. I'm doing everything they're asking me to do, and he's just telling me that we're we're not making any money. But gosh, I just saw him drive up in a Ferrari. You know, got it, Bob. You're getting ready to take on a new client, and you say, I need to see the books, and the books to you really means the financial statements, the financial statements, Last two years financial Please statements. Remember that word, statements. It's the balance sheet. It's the profit and loss. Mm-hmm. Take us through, walk us through. You're going to, you've got the, the balance sheet and the P&L. What do you open up first? And I got a series of questions. What do you open up first? I look at the financial statement. I glance over it, but I also have a, a, a questionnaire that goes along with that, that they have to complete. So on an accountant's financial statements, the revenue is not broken out. So out of that revenue, I want to know how much is labor? What kind of labor was it? How many technicians we got? What are your labor rates for that year or both years? How many ROs did you write that year? So now I've got uh, information I can do an analysis on those financial statements and see exactly where we're at as far as a productivity level, calculating the ROs per, or build hours per RO, the, the site efficiency, and see where we're at, see what the potential hours we are missing based on the total build hours coming through. And when I see that a technician is averaging being billed out four and a half hours a day, but he's there for eight hours a day, we are really missing a lot of 
lot of potential. And we've got to now drill down to what the processes are. Where are but, your eyes taking you? You open up the P&L. Do you scan the top? Do you look at, do you look at the NOI first and then work yourself up? Where, what are you trained to do? I go the bottom line first and work up. Got it. And then I move over to the balance sheet. You're trying to figure out how big or small it is and why. And Correct. you keep moving up. And you're looking at, you know, and, and you're really looking at, say, expenses as a percent of sales. Uh, yeah, I'm not... I don't spend a lot of time on expenses because a lot of expenses today are common sense. If I can spot one that's way out of whack, it'll it'll bounce okay. out at me. Balance sheet is is balance. this next? Yes, you're going to look at the balance sheet. Yes, we're going to look right away. Right from the assets, I want it from there, and I'll skip over the liabilities and go right to the net worth. To net worth. Yep. And do you, do you care about how much cash is in the company? Doesn't matter. Oh, I want to see it, but I, I want to find out w- how the company's operating. Yep. You know, what is the cash position, obviously, but yep. how did it get there? What are the issues? And that net worth to me is very important because that's telling me if it continually grows, net worth is your total net profit you've made after tax and after dividends for the entire life of your company. And it's moving forward at a good rate maybe a 20% growth per year, then I said, okay, this is, we're on, we got, we're on track. We, we, there's something great here to work with. Yes, exactly. There, there's a solid foundation. We can That's only right. make it better. Correct. Ever see any really broke companies that you didn't think you could help? Yes. Yes, and I don't take them on. I said, and, you, and you don't take them I on. can't help you. Have you ever? I'm recommending you get out of business because I don't think you're prepared to learn and have the discipline to implement it. Now, I don't mean to be rude. But I think there are some people that should not be in business. You they, wouldn't take me for face value and says I really, really need the help. I've goofed up. I've screwed up, and and I and I, I know I know I can do this, but I don't know what's around the next corner. Behavior doesn't lie. Why are you not getting help? Why? You're saying to ten years ago I should have gotten help. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm not the magic pill. Correct. And the fact is, is you're not even willing to learn. Your culture of learning is not in your in your company. It needs to start early. You have to. It's ongoing today, and it must be part of your ultimate culture of who you are and what you are. And that goes for every member of your team. So everyone who's listening, yes, we're here talking about numbers. It goes deeper. It really does. You get your P&L, Mark. You press your button, your magic button on QuickBooks. What do you look at? I'm looking at top-line revenue, and then I'm looking at bottom line. Then I'll go back and look at our labor margins and look at parts margins. I mean, we, we're doing that. We're just producing that really on, on a weekly basis. Okay. Looking at it. So I look at a report every day just to see what the sales were from the day before. Everybody knows what we need to sell because really, if we're doing our job, you know, all the expenses are going to take care of themselves. If we're doing our job and our service writers know what we need to do, then they're going to manage that part of it. And it's our responsibility to manage the rest of that. So we look at it. Everybody has it. Did we win or we lose yesterday? And we just kind of have a cheat. And Mark, you, you said a good word there. You're the owner. You're the manager. It's your responsibility. Just as you expect your staff to have responsibilities for their position in the company, you as the owner have to take your responsibilities very seriously. Yeah. I, we didn't make any money this year, yeah. so I'm blaming the staff? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Well, it is because, I, and I think that's the probably one of the most difficult things as an owner is that, it, and I don't necessarily think all the employees always see that, and we probably understand that is that it's not those twelve employees we have out there. That's twelve families that's depending on me exactly. to make the right decisions. Yep. You know, and the last thing I want to do is make bad decisions that we got to let somebody go because I screwed up. You know, now I've just affected somebody. It's not just one person. It's, you know, it's their whole livelihood. So we, we have to take responsibility. I have to take ownership in those numbers. Marianne, when that P&L comes out, you have a chance to study it, maybe take some notes about it. You had a big management team. You've got a management team. Would you share the P&L, or is that more private? Um, I, I like sharing where we're supposed to be. And I'm in touch with, you know, my service writer and what what we've done. But I think keeping everything accurate, um, to everyone's point here, is so important. I mean, I like the idea of everything totally clean. So, for an example, we purchased our business, I mean, our building. And that has to be a different P&L a different business and I think that 
to both the gentlemen's point here is that accuracy in those numbers, just because it's your business and getting so attached to it, that idea of thinking that, well, everything's coming out of the, the same bag, right? It, it's not true. And those accurate numbers are so important. So, yes, I look at my numbers regularly, and I think it's really a tool to be able to go in and share with your staff your goals and where you're, where you are now and where we're supposed to be. If you don't know where you are in your business now, and that may be a tough pill for a lot of owners to swallow right away, but it really is the facts. It's telling you, if you don't know where you are in your business, you can't set any goals for moving forward. You're relying on hunches. You're relying on guesses. And you're just so much more confident when you make those decisions to move ahead. uh, You have partners, right? Yeah, and that keeps our financials real clean is because I have those two partners, um, John and David, and they they have full access to all the financials. Are John you, probably looks at it more than I do. You're teaching them P&L? Where'd they learn yes. it? Yes. Okay. They're, they're learning it from me going through it. Um, John's pretty sharp. Cool. You know, he, uh, but he, he goes through it. He looks at it. He'll, you know, when we, he gets through, runs a report at the end of the month or whatever and looks at it, he says, you know, I, I, something just didn't seem right. And I'll go over it with them and, and we'll look through it. But, but yeah, it is, uh, they do look at it. Actually, it's to me, it's healthy. Mm-hmm. Is is because yeah. now... You know, I've seen a lot of partnerships, and I've seen partnerships fail because, you know, this person's wife is stealing more money than this person's wife is stealing from the company. And and so it's it's we're just very clear on what is an expense and what isn't. And we're going to try to stay within that budget that we set in, at, back in October. If the core company values are honesty and integrity and trust, mm-hmm. so is the relationship with the P&L and the accountant mm-hmm. and the partners. And if it goes beyond that, then you've lost your internal trust. I've got to answer to the partners. Yeah. Great. Um, And you look at it, too, is that most employees, because the employer has not informed the employees about the company and how it works and how the numbers work, they just assume the owner's rich. Mm -hmm. You own the business. You're rich. Once they become educated and understand the profit and losses, revenue and the expense stream. And the company must become profitable and stay profitable if we're going to expect raises and more income. It doesn't come out of sales. It comes out of net profit. So educating the staff is a valuable tool. And the way I look at it, the only thing that's really confidential in your business is your balance sheet. But the income and expenses, they've got to be wide open. Try this one. Gather up all your expenses when they come in the mail. Some of you still get them in the mail. And don't open the envelope. And gather them for a week coming in. And then at Monday morning, here, Mark, you open up this. That's from our insurance company. Here, Marianne, you open this one up. That's from our legal. Here, here are the property taxes. And have them actually open it up and see the exact amount of money that you have to have coming in to cover those expenses. It's an eye-opener for them because they listen to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me the facts. Well, you won't. So show them the facts. Here's the, here's the real bill. You open it up. Let me know how much is it this month. How much is it this quarter? That's a great, great tactic, Bob. I love it. Come here. Open the mail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come here. Sit down. Sit down. Get, get depressed here for 10 minutes. <laughs> And, and, and you said something that is so important. People don't understand this, and I want to. I want to. I want to hit on it. The raises and the growth of the company comes from net profit. Yes, it just doesn't come because we think we're doing okay. Yeah. If it's there, we're going to spend some of it. But we still have to work hard. If we're spending money, we're going to keep. If you're making a twenty percent net, you're going to spend some of it. But our job is that if we spend it, we're going to keep our twenty percent net. Right. So we'll spend it to grow, spend to maintain. We're going to invest we're and going invest. To invest. Yeah. And, and, and some people don't get that part. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, boss, I need a raise. Come here. I want to give you one. And it's not like you haven't had one in two and a half years and I'm driving mm-hmm. into Land Rover. It's that we're, you know, we're, we're down here in the trenches and we're working together. And, uh, we, you know, I don't think there's any better way to um, have someone understand their worth to the business and their contribution than to give them a little p 
P&L training. So here's what I recommend. Once this thing becomes a podcast as of next Wednesday, and, you know, it's your guy, John Long, who actually says he plays these in the shop for the guys. This will probably be one he'll play mm-hmm. for his techs to listen to. It may be painful for them, but it may teach him a few things. And having that money to reinvest in your company as well, whether yeah. it's tools. Yeah, you know. absolutely. And the, the same place. So here's um, the final thoughts that I have. What didn't we talk about that's important that you would really want to share about the value and the importance of the P&L and the numbers in the company? Marianne, let me start with you. I think that a lot of times um, business owners shy away from it. Um, It seems daunting because they don't know what they don't know. And it really isn't that difficult to figure out um, the power, you know, knowing the PNL and then learning how powerful it is, whether it's through a training or, you know, starting off with the basics, going to your accountant. Um, I have a relationship with my accountant, just as Bob had said. I consider my accountant, my attorney, I actually consider them part of my team. So it's so important to have that relationship with people, whether it's through a coach. But I think it really is important for you to learn that. Don't shy away. It's part of our business that as owners, once we decided to become an owner, we are now responsible for it. So you, the, the excuse that you don't know about it or you don't under, understand it, just in my opinion, it's just not acceptable. It's not fair to your team. It's not fair to you know your business. And it's not fair, fair even to your community and your customers because your business just won't be sustainable. Good. Wise words. Love it. Thank you. Mark, I'll go to you next. Yeah, I think when you look at a guy that's in a one-man shop or a very small shop, and, and you have so many responsibilities as an owner that this can fall to the wayside. And, and the thing I'll say is, is don't get, get discouraged. Get encouraged and learn this stuff. I mean, it, it's, there's so many easier ways to learn today with uh, your podcast, you know, online uh, webinars. Sure. There's local courses that you can take and stuff. That education is so much easier to get today than it was 20 years ago. And so don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, go to another shop owner, ask for help. Most shop owners, you know, if they're running a good business, they're always willing to help somebody out. And and I think if I was to go back, I would have probably hired, a, I, I should have hired a coach soon. You know, once I got into business. Yeah. I just didn't, I wasn't smart enough to figure that out at the time. Well, that's what we advocate for here. Yeah. Mr. Greenwood? You look at a technician who's in this industry, is also a business owner. And all my life, I've always been exceptionally impressed at the knowledge he or she has as a technician. Mm-hmm. How their mind works just boggles me. The way they can analyze something and put it together and figure the problem out in an engine. Way over my head. And yet, if you mention numbers, they get intimidated by that topic. A one-day solid management class you will know by the end of that day, oh, I can do this. I can do this. This is not rocket science. And you got to take that lack of confidence out of the picture. Say, you know what? Let me just tackle it. You will figure it out real fast because that's the way your brain is built. And it amazes me. It's just that you've got to look in the mirror and say, you know what? Let me take it on. What have I got to lose? Nothing and everything to gain. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.